0: Hey, this is Zach Ephron and you're listening to the stupid cancer show.
1: I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes. In the head. Ooh.
2: With a time machine? Kind of a DeLorean? This is the stupid
3: cancer show. Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the (laughs) Mundus.
2: Hello there, children.
0: Hey, hey, kids. <laughs> People seem
1: to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now, the host of the stupid cancer show, Annie Goodman and Matthew Zachary. Nothing is anything
2: wrong
1: with that. Because he has a lot of chutzpah.
4: All right.
0: Monday, April 8th, welcome back to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. My name is Matthew Zachary, and I am a
3: 17-year young adult survivor of brain cancer. And my name is Annie Goodman, journalist young adult breast cancer survivor, and we're your hosts of the Stupid Cancer Show. It is not okay that
0: 72,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year. So, got cancer under 40? sucks, huh? time to get busy living folks because the stupid cancer show is changing the world one chemo infusion at a time
3: on tonight's show join us as we shine a global spotlight and our partners at cancer treatment centers of america a national network of cancer centers helping patients fight cancer using advanced technology and personalized approach we will be speaking with Carolyn Lamersault and Rod Raymond, as well as survivor couple Gina and William Churchill. All right. The Stupid Cancer
0: Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, a nonprofit organization that empowers young adults affected by cancer, online at stupidcancer.org. And a Stupid Cancer, welcome to any and all of our first-time listeners here on the Stupid Cancer Show. The Blog Talk Radio Network has come to you live from the Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Man. Patton.
3: Yay. What up, Matthew? Hi,
0: Annie, Annie, Annie.
3: Hi. You're looking lovely. Thank you. I rolled out of bed and got ready and went to work and came here.
0: That's what happens. Yeah. (laughs) Indeed. I have uh, some really, really serendipitous news. Um,
1: What is it?
0: It's kind of like an insider joke, but it's a cool insider joke, and you kind of have to know... You know, we hit, uh, everyone knows that the the claim in the young adult world is 70,000. We say 72,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every year. Right. And the first week of April, which we kicked off last Monday, Mm -hmm. is National Young Adult Cancer Awareness Week.
3: I did see that.
0: So we actually hit 70,000 fans on Facebook. Wow. During National Young Adult Cancer Awareness Week.
3: That is a fan for every person Young adult who's diagnosed.
0: One fan for every young adult diagnosis. Here. Yes. So that was good.
3: Yeah, that's very interesting. It's funny because the more and more I get out there and talk about, you know, being a survivor and meeting people and telling them stories, the more and more you hear, like, that they don't think it's possible to have cancer in your 20s and 30s. And it's always, like, the more and more I talk about it, it's really interesting to get the feedback of how little people know. About the age group and the risk factors, and how it's so much worse when people are age havoc Because some people are dismissed, and you hear horror stories and mistreatment. And even last week, I went to the doctor for a checkup. My doctor is amazing. One of my it's one of my team. I have a lot.
4: Right. So one of my oh, doctors.
3: Yeah. One of my doctors. Shortstop. Yeah. One of my doctors made a comment, and we were talking about fertility. And you know, I'm bravo positive, so I have. You know, even though I survived breast cancer, you know, I felt to make that five years to be deemed so-called, you're know, not cured, but so-called, you know, your general risk population for cancer in general, and you're generally healthy, move on your life, then I get to deal with my ovaries and hopefully not get ovarian cancer and get there removed at the right time, etc. And we're talking about fertility because I'm 31 years old and obviously this is an ongoing issue that I've to deal with for a long time. And she's brought up donor eggs and I said, well, I'm not ready to go there yet. Like, I don't want to don't, I was like, don't rule me out yet.
0: Right. For, but don't rush
3: me. Right. I didn't feel rushed, but I felt like, I was like, okay, don't give up on me yet. I still have more time to decide about this. And I was like, you know, I'm not married, so I'm not even engaged or anything. So I was like, let's just figure out what's what when I need to figure it out. I don't need to have a discussion about donor eggs. But I did, I forgot how it all came about. But I said, I was like, you know, I'm not grandma. I'm a young woman who would still like, the possibility of having a biological child. Right. I comprehend and I'm aware of the barriers and all the issues and the potential of passing on the genetic mutation. I I get it. I I wrap my head around all of this. I've been dealing with this for over a year now. I get it. But it's like, please don't write me off. I'm not not your 65-year-old woman who typically gets breast cancer. And also part of it is, you know, dating and the Google factor of people knowing you have cancer, even, you know, whether it be friends of friends who you meet, and they already know that you had it, and then you become the, the girl who had cancer every time you go out. And uh, we just had that conversation, had a reminder, you know, I'm 31 years old. I was like, let's remember all of this. Yes. So it's just interesting even to kind of put your doc, like these amazing, brilliant doctors, but to kind of put them in their place too.
0: Well, that's that's called um, kicking ass. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well it was, it was me He
0: took names
3: yeah that's yeah. it's also me
0: and you're were you always wired this way or did, like did cancer turn you into like this fervent
3: what like a crazy person i was gonna say
0: eco health bitch
3: no i mean In I've the always, lovingest
0: sense of the term
3: i've always been like super type a like aggressive personality not like confrontational aggressive like i guess outgoing and knowledgeable. And one of the funny things she actually told me, I asked her a question because um, one of my only options for birth control is something that runs with copper. And a study came out in, I think, January. Wait, from,
0: rhymes with copper? or No,
3: it has to do, like, it runs with copper. I don't know exactly how it works. The but metal it's copper. copper? Yes, it's a metal copper. It's implanted in your uterus, and it's weird, and it apparently keeps you from getting pregnant.
4: Okay. Anyway, because you can't
3: take hormonal treatment. So anyway, fast forward, a couple. you know, I had read a study that in triple negative breast cancer, to survive, you need to be copper depleted. So I read this study from Cornell Weil that says you need to be copper depleted, but then you're going to put copper in my body? And I kind of freaked out and said, have you seen this study out of Cornell Wild about copper depletion and triple negative? And she was like, I've never seen it. And she's like, that's our job to decipher what all this information is. Like, you can, she's like, it's good for you to ask.
0: All right. So no eating tubas.
3: No. And she told actually, me. Actually, that's
0: brass. She right.
3: actually made a joke you don't eat pennies, do you? And I said, no, I don't eat a, I don't eat
0: pennies. My crazy addiction on, on the TLC. <laughs> yeah, um, when
3: exactly. they like, or like on um, every once in a while see a like and Anatomy or like the people like, they, I have a tummy ache and they open their stomach and they have like a pile of hair. 50, or 50 to 50 cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, but she gave me a little talking to that I'm too smart for my own good and to not read every single bit of research that ever comes out on the type of cancer I had that I will drive myself insane. Dr. Google, it can be a bad thing. Yeah, sometimes. but it's because I'm immersed in the cancer world through this and through things I do the Triple Negative Foundation. I can't help it. I read everything. I want right. to get my hands. I want to get my hands on every piece of information possible. And I got in trouble from my doctor. That's okay. So you're yeah. allowed to. And I was a hype. Okay, and I was a hypochondriac before I was diagnosed.
0: Type A Jewish hypochondriac in New York City, female. Yep. Never heard of that.
3: Yep. But I'm nice.
0: So improbable.
3: But I'm a nice person. That's okay. So I have that on my side. You're
0: the Yang to my Yin.
3: Yeah. Exactly. Well, we have
0: some sad news to report tonight. We don't cover this usually, but uh, someone very special to the organization and to my wife and I uh, passed uh, this past week. Her name was Amy Maniscalco. She had a very unique situation. She had endometrial cancer mm-hmm. in and, uh, Lynch syndrome, something that is the uh, it's like this up and coming new d- new symptom syndrome that that's out there now. We're going to raise awareness about it in a, on a future show. But it's something everyone really needs. Yet another thing to scare the crap out of us, but yeah, Lynch Syndrome. Uh, She had a blog called The Lynch Sisters' Incomplete Guide to Christianity, Cake, and Cancer. And she worked for the U.S. Army National Guard as a contractor in its family program, a job she described as uh, doing what I now love, helping military families, service members, and veterans. And she grew up on the same block as my wife. Wow. So um, a moment of silence for Amy Maniscalco. Okay. There you go. But this all ties into what the entire theme of tonight is going to be, which is the article in Time Magazine, the cover story, Mm -hmm. How to Cure Cancer. What people are really doing on the ground to think differently about this disease. Right. And what patients, survivors, caregivers, activists can do to rally around the right messaging to help the scientific community really get the word out there that this is the way. We want things to happen because this makes the most sense. We're done with the old system. The old system is broken. Um, collaboration, no silos, sharing the wealth, sharing information. Don't piss on my bush. There's no bush anymore. Mm-hmm. We're just really going to all make this a, a national effort. You know, that might sound Pollyanna, but that's really what the entire gist behind the Time Magazine story is. So um, I guess without further ado, we'll bring out our guests who are uh, evidence to the uh, the movement. Of uh, proactive uh, consumers in healthcare, so every cancer, great young adult stories. It is my privilege to uh, start the process. Here we go. Okay. Jenna and Billy Churchill came to Cancer Treatment Centers of America after Jenna was diagnosed with a rare pancreatic neuroendocrine tumor in 2011 and told by her previous physician that she would just have to wait six months to see if it would grow. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, not the best advice I would imagine. Anyway, um, with four, count four children. I got two. How do you deal with four? Okay. Huh. Jenna and Billy worked together as a team to successfully balance her career, cancer treatments and their family. They even moved. They moved to Arizona. I read that. Not a bad thing, I guess, if, you, if you're from New York. The weather. weather. Anyway, please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Jenna Churchill. I believe her husband, Billy, will be joining us shortly. Jenna, hi.
4: Hi. How are you? Very good. Thank you.
0: It's exciting to have you on the show.
4: I'm excited to be here.
0: So you are Are you still in Arizona?
4: No. Um, I actually travel back and forth from Las Vegas.
0: Not a bad thing either.
4: Uh-uh. No.
0: <laughs> I was just watching a show yesterday about how your state's going to run out of water very soon.
3: Yeah, I know. I hope not, because I but like that. But Didn't it rain today? <laughs> One day of rain. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. I know you can call it rain, but kind of. I check the weather like every single day because we're going to be in Vegas in a couple weeks, and the weather in New York's been so terrible. So I keep checking the weather like a crazy person, right? To see how it's going to be, and I saw it was going to rain today.
4: You're all good because one day, and then we have
3: you know a hundred days of sun. So yeah, score. <laughs> yeah <indeed. laughs>
0: it's like 120 120 yeah. degrees for like six months straight. Yeah, it and rains eight, like yeah. three days a year. <laughs> Your bodies are made of wax. So yeah. I don't know how you people survive out there. Anyway, so hey, <laughs> we joke around. It's it's really cool to have you on the show. Your story is incredible. And oh, yet again, you. another young adult story with an old person's cancer. Yes. And I would just love to have you sort of talk us through what was your life like? We, did you already have four children? That must have been tough enough. We like to joke that it's hard enough being a young adult to begin with. Throw this on top of it and it's a nightmare. Um, no, I'm right. What was your life like Before?
4: You know what? We were very active and, um, you know, really involved in in a lot of different things with our kids, um, with our business, with um, our families. So we were always on the go, always active, doing a lot of different things. And you're right, with four kids, I mean, that's, we always say stop it too. Like, you want <laughs> one of each, you're good. Don't go right. any further. You'll have more <laughs> money. So, so with, you know, with that, that was that was life as it was. It was it was a lot going on all the time. Um, you know, and then. And how
3: old are your kids?
4: They range, and they're very very spread apart: twenty-two, eighteen, twelve, and
0: nine. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. That keeps so nice busy. Yes, you're busy.
4: <laughs> yes, I'm busy.
0: <laughs> I have a uh, two, a boy and a girl. There'll be three next month. Or this month, it be three April thirtieth, and like we don't even understand how to deal with two
3: people. And you know? I deal with just myself and I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> well
4: we're so, doing it. I don't know how successful but we're doing it.
3: Yeah, you're clearly doing a good job.
0: So all right, so one of the issues in young adult cancer is that we get cancers that are largely undetectable. And doctors don't take us seriously if we do decide to take ourselves seriously. And if it's not breast cancer where you can feel it, or testicular cancer where you can feel it, or maybe some disgusting lymph node somewhere that you can see popping out of your body somewhere. Or
3: like a leukemia where are having night sweats. Right, yeah. How? How
0: does one understand the fact that their pancreas is hating them?
4: You know what? This is so crazy. A few years before the diagnosis these really strange things were happening and i would go into the doctors and they would tell me everything across the board i even had one doctor tell me oh you had a nervous breakdown and i come home and i'm i'm calling bill and i'm crying and he's like what's wrong i'm like i had a nervous breakdown and he's like you did i'm like well that's what the doctor said
3: cuz that's a catch all so, disease it's like ibs you have a tummy exactly. ache.
4: exactly yeah and that was it you know i i would drink alcohol and i would get like a really bad stomach ache and mm-hmm. and the doctor would say oh take tums mm-hmm. so that that's kind of how things went and I my diagnosis really came about in a very strange way. I'm I'm claustrophobic. Horribly, horribly claustrophobic, like I'm fairly sure I was buried alive in a previous life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so was a from hospital in two thousand ten that sat with me during the CT scan at one of the times that I was in in the hospital. And she sat with me and sang to me, because I'm like, look, you either drug me up or you come in here with me, make, you know, your choice. So she sat and she sang to me and talked to me the whole time and, and waited until it was done. And then it happened to be her the very next year when I was hospitalized again, she remembered me because probably because she had to sit with me. But... Um, she remembered that I had a shadow on my pancreas that no one had ever told me about. I didn't even know where my pancreas was as far mm-hmm. as I was concerned. I'm like, oh, that's like that thing you take out and everyone has an extra one. And they're like, no, nah, it's pretty important.
0: No, that's your kidney. Yeah.
4: <laughs> so so that's kind of what happened. They, It was found completely by accident, but it was the explanation for all these crazy things that were happening in the year or two beforehand.
0: Did you, when you were told that there's actually something wrong with you, did you like do a like a, a jump in the air moment with big smileys? No, all right, cause I, I didn't. I was, oh, because I, I I was misdiagnosed for eight months and there were all these crazy things happening to me, and uh, when they finally said there's actually a tumor in your head that's causing all this, I'm like, thank God, and did the happy dance before I realized, oh crap.
4: Yeah, you know what? I it's like it, I I went into a mode of. Okay, so let's process this. Let's get it done, you know, get it out and move on with life. I never stopped to think for the longest time. In fact, we didn't even call it cancer for the longest time. If you ask any of my friends and family, it's the beast. Uh, you know, oh, that's it's, a, it's a good the way beast. to describe it. And and that was easier. And it was a doctor, an emergency room doctor, who finally came in one day right before I had surgery and he's like, oh my gosh, you have cancer. I'm like, I do. And in my head, I knew I did, but. It it just, it didn't, it didn't dawn on me probably until that
0: day. So then, was this the doctor that said come back in six months or were you already past that point?
4: Um, I was waiting to have surgery, so I was about to have surgery. My surgeon is actually the one who told me to, you know, he told me it's not the type of cancer we thought. And I thought, well, that's a good thing, right? Because pancreatic cancer is so scary. And he's like, well, no, it's, it's. Kind of different Like it, not many people have it It's like one in maybe a couple million people have it
2: mm-hmm. And like, that's a
4: good idea And then he said I said well alright right. That's okay I can deal with that And he's like I said so what comes next And he said Well we're going to wait And I said well what are we going to wait for And he's like we're going to wait to see what happens In the next six months And I, I couldn't deal with that That was too much and that's when I think I had my first breakdown, where I just
0: thought,
4: oh, no, not a good idea. I don't like it.
0: Well, what we're going to have to do, I'm afraid that we're having some difficulty with your call-in number. I'm going to have to. have We're going to ask you to call back in to the phone number we gave you, and then we'll have our producers make sure that the line is a little clearer. It's having a little difficulty understanding some of your words. Not your fault, because okay. we blame the Internet. There's lots of trolls that go around and eat the Internet up during our They, show. like,
3: cut cords and do things like that.
0: But we promise we'll play some really interesting Rick Astley music while we're waiting on Hopey you to come back. Okay, so she's going to hop off the call, and we're going to get Jenna back on shortly. And as promised, let's Rick Roll, everybody. You're listening to the sounds of Rick Astley
2: here on the Stupid <laughs> Cancer Show.
3: like have transported back to like the year I was born <laughs> let's hope this works the internet is
0: so little fickle universe
3: yes indeed
0: let's hope this works yeah we're entertaining all of our listeners tonight with a Rick Astley
3: we sure are they're lucky people
0: yes wow pancreatic cancer is that's crazy any yeah. doctor that says come back in six months just uh, no thank you
3: yeah, my doctor says come back every week. Right.
0: Like when you take something out of my body that doesn't belong there and say come back in six months, I'm not terribly thrilled at the idea of that.
3: Yeah, I li- I absolutely live at the doctor.
0: Okay. So let's see if she's back now. Oh, she issues. Jenny are you there? I'm here. Alright, well as promised, Rick Astley. <laughs> Okay. I wasn't lying. You thought I was kidding, right? No, we had a nice interlude there. Our our listenership was thrilled.
3: So, one of the questions, I know you delved a little bit into it, one of the questions I had. So, explain a little bit, besides the general just not feeling so great, what were some of the symptoms that you had from pancreatic cancer that, and, you know, kind of explain just a little for like a minute to our listeners what, you know, how you felt? Um,
4: I, a lot of fatigue. And not fatigue like, you know, if you go to work out and everything, you're, you're just kind of tired. I would be at work for two hours and just want to fall asleep. Like mm-hmm. just be so exhausted where I couldn't even lift my head. Um, I think that was the most telling. The other part was I was having these um, panic attacks that would come randomly. I would I would be at a restaurant. I was, I was having dinner with my family, and I went into the restroom to wash my hands and had a panic attack and couldn't come mm-hmm. out of the bathroom. And it was it was weird things like like that. Um, I would you know like I said I'd have a glass of wine,
3: mm-hmm. and it
4: would it would bring me to my knees literally.
3: Wow. So you so they told you you know six months. You had your surgery. Wait six months. Wait and see. Hope and pray, cross some pinkies, toes. Right. And you said, no way. Yeah. And that led you to CTCA. So tell us how you found CTCA and, you know, how they treated you. Give us a little information on how it all ended up that you made your way to CTCA.
4: Well, okay, first you have to believe in fate because prior to surgery, we were searching all over for a surgeon because this is it's a very specialized surgery. We had friends in Rhode Island that worked at a a pancreatic research center Stanford. All all over the country, I had options that I could go to. And um, I was really concerned with the fact that it would be a month of recovery and the kids may or may not be able to travel with us. And so being, you know, in Rhode Island and the kids are in Las Vegas, if there's an emergency, you know, what's going to happen? So those were the kinds of thoughts that I had. So I end up, um, we had... Seen Peggy's commercial and so we called CTCA and talked to them about um, about you know coming out to the hospital well at that same time a a surgeon in Salt Lake City agreed to take my case and so I said you know what thanks I appreciate it cancer treatment centers you know I I just found the surgeon he's really great surgeon but thank you for taking the time and so the, the gentleman on the line is like, no, no, don't worry, don't worry. I sent you some information, too, in the mail so you can know what to expect and so on. So fast forward, I have surgery. I'm sitting in a pedicure chair because I'm out of the hospital probably about a week now. And my girlfriend says, you know what, let's go do something, just the two of us, you know, get your mind off everything. So we're sitting in a pedicure um, chair, and that's when the surgeon called and said, hey, you know, six months, let's see what happens. And so I'm crying you know, trying to figure out how I'm going to call my husband and tell him what the surgeon just told me. And my girlfriend's crying and these people in this salon are looking at us like we've gone mad. And the phone rings and I pick it up, which is even more ironic, but I pick it up and it happens to be this kid from C T C A And he's like, hey, Gina, you know, I just called. I want to, you know, see how your surgery went and did you get my information and so on and so forth. And I and i said you know what you you couldn't have called at a better time i mm-hmm. just got off the phone with my surgeon and he said you know we're going to wait 6 months and he says well how do you feel about that i said i i don't like that plan <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. wonder why and, yeah
4: yeah you know and so he goes he goes all right well do you still want to come down you know and i said yeah absolutely and he had us there i mean in about a week i went my first day there was mother's day i flew out and, how uh,
0: how um, bitterly ironic
4: <laughs> Right um, And I was scared uh, Probably about two days beforehand I was afraid to leave on the plane Because I thought to myself Oh my gosh I'm going to go there And mind you we, we didn't call it cancer We called it the beast So in my head I'm thinking oh my gosh we're going to this hospital There's going to be sick people everywhere
3: mm-hmm. And I'm not
4: sick and, you know, how am I going to feel and, and all that. So I tried to back out of it a little bit. My husband and my mom were like, you're nuts. You're going and, and everything. And, you know, so grateful to walk into a place that doesn't feel so sterile, like you're in a hospital, um, where you're not sitting in a waiting room for hours on end and where people treat you like you're human and you're not a disease. Mm-hmm. And that's really what they did. I mean, it, from the second we pulled up, Everybody was so kind, and you know, treated us like we
3: were family. And so you guys literally packed up your family, and you guys were living in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Is that how this all is? That you moved to Arizona? They
0: went to a place with less water. <laughs> yeah, <America>. uh, place <laughs> even hotter. hotter.
4: Yeah. So yeah, um. Well, you know, we told the kids. We're like, hey, this is our summer home. And hope you guys like this little, you know, twelve by twelve space. But we'll go outside sometimes, and um, and we took them there. And we lived there for about six weeks in the hotel. Um, a couple times we came home. My mom and my husband switched off um, on two or three different weeks, um, where they, you know, they just kind of stayed. And my husband had a chance to work because he had to have so many hours and for the insurance.
2: Mhm.
0: So it was
4: it was interesting so we not want to leave
0: the house well <laughs> well but this story has so many different angles to it from the lens of the young adult cancer experience. Parenting, how do you manage four children while going through this did you have did they were they did they go to school were they Did you have people come in and, and counsel them? How do they deal with the stress i mean the the lifestyle of this having to have happened to you is synonymous with being uniquely not 80
3: yeah
4: it was thank god for all of our friends and family because as soon as as soon as everything happened everybody rallied around i mean it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been anything for me to call someone and say hey can you take my kids to school can you pick them up you know um but my kids were so brave in everything that they did um, from the time that we told them, they all kept, you know, very brave faces. They were all very concerned. My daughter, uh, my oldest daughter, had a job opportunity in Texas. And my husband told her, go, go to Texas. This is a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And she, she didn't really want to leave. But he told her, he's like, you know what, we'll let you know when it's time to worry. Mm-hmm. We're going to let you know. And when when it's time to worry, you let us know. And there were times when I know it was hard for her. No one ever told me until after the fact, but I know that she had a few a few times when it was very hard. Um, the other kids, they came with us. It was summertime, thank goodness. So we spent summer vacation in the hotel. Um, they were very, very uh, conscientious of what was going on. One of the best things that happened was that they were able to go to the hospital with me. They were able to see... The whole process, they were able to talk to the doctors, and the doctors talked to them like they were people and not kids.
0: Right. Yeah. So, so how do you get a nine-year-old to eat the healthy food that they serve there?
4: Oh, my kids love it there. They're best friends with Chef.
0: because <laughs> ah, <laughs> they snuck <laughs> them ice cream and candy. Yeah.
4: <laughs> oh, no ice cream, no candy. They no, they have organic
0: it. garden variety ice cream. It's grown on the ground.
4: Yeah, everything. The kids <laughs> love it, and they have the best cookies in Arizona.
0: <laughs> well, the, the the center. I was just at the center in, in Phoenix, and um, the, I, they're so proud of the garden. There's they a garden be. literally out the window where they, they grow the be. food. It's the desert. <laughs>
4: I know, and and you eat it like that same day. If they're picking it, and you're eating it.
0: I know, it's amazing. Well, it, it's wonderful that you were able to find C T C A in this mix. Was it a random Google search? I mean, you said you saw a commercial. Is it was it was it that straightforward?
4: Yeah, my mother-in-law saw um, a commercial with Peggy on it at four in the morning, and literally the next day was like, I know this sounds weird, but I was up at four in the morning and there was this lady on TV and her name was Peggy. <laughs> I was like, all right, whatever. And so, um, and at first we were like, really, are we going to call someplace on TV? But at that point we were calling everybody, so we we're like, hey, you know what? If you can, if you've got something we don't, we'll take it.
0: Did you have to? Did you get like one for free because it was like an infomercial at four in the morning?
3: <laughs> get a free frying pan or something yeah. at the same
0: time? Yeah, you know, buy one yeah.
2: get
3: one. Exactly. One of the things I thought was pretty cool. Uh, you know, one of the hardest part of the whole dealing with cancer is the stress on your caregiver, whether it be a parent, a spouse, whoever, a child, whoever it might be. Um, for you, you had your husband, and one of the things that he also benefited from was certain uh he had massage therapy he had acupuncture why don't you tell a little bit about the what they offered to your husband for the caretaker
4: so everything that they offer the patient and they offer it to their caregivers because they understand that they're in as much of a stressful situation if not more than the patient and so he had the opportunity to have massages, but he also had the opportunity to speak to the therapist. When the doctor came in um, and asked me how I was doing, they also asked him, mm-hmm. you know, how are how are you doing? Is everything okay? Is there anything we can do for you? And so he had the opportunity to get help for himself as well. Uh, and when you go to the center, it's amazing. Every single person, and when I say this, I absolutely mean it. Every single person from the wait staff in the cafeteria to the, you know, the front desk reception, even even to security as they're passing you. If they know that you're stressed or you look a little upset, they'll take the time to stop and say, hey, how are you today? Is there anything I can get for mm-hmm. you?
0: That's great. Amazing, amazing. Well, one final question because I know you're coming to Vegas, right? You're going to be on uh... – you're you're actually well. You're in Vegas, but you're coming I to am. our our conference in Vegas. You're walking across the street
3: <laughs> to our conference <laughs> in
0: Las Vegas. Uh-huh. You have the shortest commute of <laughs> any human being on the planet to come to this conference. And uh, we're looking forward to having you. And I'm sorry your husband couldn't make the segment, but uh, he'll be there. And uh, so, what are your thoughts? Final question, because uh, we have to wrap on mm-hmm. the young adult movement. Focus on people our age that we have these unique needs, we're being recognized. Do you have thoughts on, on that, and, and were you aware that there was this whole movement in this country based on an age group that's not necessarily disease-specific?
4: Not until um, my diagnosis did I know that many, many of these organizations existed. And I think it's incredible because I I feel like there's an attitude of survival and so there there needs to be more support and there is and that's that's what your organization is doing it's providing support not only sometimes you just you need to call someone and it's like having a friend that can say hey I totally get where you're at I this is what I did this is how I felt and and so we anticipate that we're going to live beyond our disease and beyond our time so with that being said, we we need that support, and we do need organizations that will, you know, make that available.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, sharing your story. I can't wait to meet you in person, knowing you've traveled one three-thousandth <laughs> the distance that I have to get to Las Vegas, uh-huh. and we'll hold that against you for all time. So. <laughs> well,
4: thank you. I all appreciate right. it. Thank all you. Right.
0: All right. Jenna Churchill, everybody. Thank you. Take care.
3: Thank you. Me too. meet you. Bye-bye.
0: All right, let's, uh, by the way, Kenny's not here because Kenny is prepping for the
2: stupid cancer road trip, 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 yeah. trip.
0: Um, but I will be Hello, reading a, a Brockman, part of Kenny. I okay. We'll be, be played yeah, by, just by the Jewish a guy. Time. Okay, head on over to events.stupidcancer.org, your one-stop shop calendar for all of our social and educational events nationwide. Something will be happening in your neck of the woods at some point in time, and we don't want you missing out. The Stupid Cancer Road Trip kicks off this Wednesday um, with, I'm going to mess this up. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a Stupid Cancer Meetup in St. Louis on April 3rd. That passed, right? Today's the 8th. I'm I'm bad. Back to the future. Okay. There's a road trip meetup in New York on the 11th, in D.C. on the 12th, in Raleigh-Durham on the 13th, Atlanta on the 14th. There's also a happy hour in Los Angeles on the 14th. There's a meet-up on the road trip in Memphis on the 15th. And then it goes to Tulsa, Oklahoma for CTCA, Denver, Los Angeles, Phoenix, San Diego, San Diego, and then big ol' Las Vegas.
3: Viva Las Vegas. You can
0: visit all of this at stupidcancerroadtrip.org. Brought to you by our friends at General Motors, Chevy Volt Team, Millennium Pharmaceuticals, and Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And... That's it. We've got two weeks left. Count of folks, two weeks until the uh, OMG Cancer Center for Young Adults drops in Las Vegas. The time is now. Still time to register. Join more than 425 of your fellow young adult survivors, caregivers, activists at the hippest, coolest cancer event in all of history, says me. Uh, OMG2013.org. That's the website. OMG2013.org. Uh, And finally, uh, the Stupid Cancer Forums. Don't forget about our forums. They have almost 5,000 active members on a day-to-day basis. This is your premier online community to connect with survivors, patients, parents, and caregivers just like you. Visit stupidcancerforums.org and sign up with one click through Facebook. And that is your Stupid Cancer News as I give myself my own round of applause. (laughs) All right. And now it is time for the main event. Here we go. Okay.
3: First, we have Carolyn Lamersfeld, the Vice President of Integrated Medicine at Cancer Treatment Centers in America, and joining her is Dr. Rod Raymond, a Medical Director of Pain Management at Cancer Treatment Centers of America at the Midwestern Regional Medical Center.
0: All right, Welcome. Carolyn. Hello, folks.
3: Oh, thank you for having us.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure. Oh, Welcome you. back. You can't get rid of us. <laughs> Uh, are we are we botching your name? Is it Rod Reed Raid?
2: Well, one out of three. It's Rod Raman. Rod oh, Roman. I so close. Because
0: I'm going to see him in person in Vegas. He's going to punch me in the face. <laughs> the thing is name no. wrong. No, 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 no,
2: no. I could. I just want to shake your hand. That's about
0: it. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, he's not a violent person on the air. Okay, we like that. Yeah. That's good.
1: <laughs> he's not violent in person either. <laughs> good I'm from go. New York.
0: I have boxing gloves on all the time. So. But I'm thrilled to have you guys back. You guys are an amazing partner. It's been wonderful to get to know you guys even more and visiting all your centers and, and meeting the team. I, I've been to uh, the one in Illinois, the one in uh, Phoenix. I'm going to the one in Atlanta, and my co-founder Kenny's going to pretty much all of them <laughs> across this road trip. And uh, the staff is great. The, the 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 patients are amazing.
3: You keep talking about the food, and I'm starving. The food
0: is Googleish. It's that good. It's Google-level food, if not better.
3: I'm starving.
0: If you never had the food at, at Google's campus in Mountain View.
3: Never been there. It's
0: like they literally, they grow it, and you're, you're looking at the garden, and then it's on your plate in like five minutes.
3: Yeah. Quality wow.
0: stuff, amazing stuff. The ecosystem that you guys have built up around your brand to serve the needs of patients is, is extraordinary. Um, so, uh, all right, no more kissing your ass, because I want to <laughs> ask you some specific questions, um, because the, the general nature of what you do is, is – is not terribly innovative in the sense that, you know, like no one's like, oh, it should never be that way. Of course it should be this way. But how you went about building an integrative model to patients uh, is fascinating. So I was hoping you could sort of maybe piggyback off each other with Carolyn first, because, you know, you are in charge of integrative medicine, that it's not just about cut and get rid of yourself. I remember when I was treated 18 years ago, it was literally chop your body part off and get out of my hospital.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, and and real quickly, you know, there are several integrative models that are used in in medicine and oncology. Um, one model, uh, patients actually, will have their oncology treatment at a center where they might get their chemotherapy, radiation, and or surgery. And then they'll seek out integrative, what what we used to call complementary alternative medicine. Um, We now call integrative medicine because, just as you said, we feel it's an important part of oncology treatment. Um, But, unfortunately, there are still situations where patients will seek out the integrative therapies at other places, and many times they're they're doing that and not communicating what they're doing with their oncology care team, which you know is not safe for patients in a number of ways. And then there are um, what we call cons- consultation models, where patients are actually referred into an integrative medicine center um, within an oncology center. Um, but again, you have to be um, referred there by your oncologist, so you, you either have to have an oncologist who recognizes the value of integrative medicine, or you have to ask for it yourself. And then there's the the CTCA model of integrative medicine, which we've really moved towards over many years, um, where every patient that comes to our facility um, has integrative medicine as part of their care team. Every one of our medical oncologists has an integrative care team uh, that works with them so that every patient has access to all the integrative medicine services we have to offer at every visit under one roof. And everyone's on the same page and knows exactly what the patient's oncology treatment plan is and what their integrative medicine treatment plan is.
0: Amazing, and they, they, rightfully so. They should. It's like Absolutely. it's like no one should be surprised that this is the way it should be, right?
1: Yeah, agreed. Uh, you know, and, and again, uh, many of the, for example. Statistics show that anywhere from forty to seventy percent of people with cancer um, use vitamins and herbs during their cancer treatment and, and many of these um, herbs particularly are metabolized using the same pathways the same enzymes that um, chemotherapy drugs and other drugs go through and so if you're doing that without the knowledge of your oncologist or your surgeon um, you could be setting yourself up for either your your medication um, not being as effective as as you would like it to be, or increase toxicity from the therapies you're having. So it absolutely needs to be um, one and the same.
0: So so last question quickly. Do you have patients that show up that bring, like, their own noni fruit and anti-gravity boots, and you tell them, don't do this, don't do that?
1: We, we do have patients that show up doing, following any number of um, different diets, taking a number of different supplements, um, and that's really the role of our registered dietitians and our naturopathic um, oncology providers is to go through all of that with patients. Um, and and it, it really is individualized based on the patients. So depending upon what their oncology treatment, what kind of cancer they have, what their oncology treatment plan is, um, that will determine, you know, whether we, suggest they continue some of that or we tweak it um, so that they're taking things where there's evidence that they will, will have benefit. It may help with toxicity side effects, et cetera.
0: Great. Well, let's turn it over to Rob then because, uh, you know, in charge of pain management, clearly that's a major issue for people going through cancer treatment. And managing and balancing the prescriptive nature of this with the holistic nature of integrative medicine must be challenging.
2: Sometimes, and it's uh, all patient-dependent because uh, a patient's pain can be managed in many ways. Um, Medications, uh, the prescribed controlled drugs and the um, non-controlled drugs are options. And then we have the other support services, acupuncture, massage, chiropractic care. I also do um, interventional pain-relieving procedures. So there are many ways to manage pain in the human body, but it's based on the source of the pain. Which can be physical, emotional, social, or spiritual suffering. So, the etiology, the cause is key.
3: And what do you guys, you know, what are some of the different things that people can get? Let's say, you know, whether it be treatment, you're getting radiation, and sometimes you can get pain from radiation even during treatment. Even I'm out of treatment, I finished treatment in November, and I'm just now getting pain in April. So, what are the different things that you offer for patients who deal with pain from residual treatment or even? you know, back pain, soreness, exhaustion, all really the different things that people can seek.
2: If um, you're not getting active anti-cancer therapies such as chemotherapy, radiation therapy, or oncological surgery, um, and you're in a state of remission, uh, the ideal uh, treatment plan would be to incorporate um, treatment options that you're comfortable with. It could be massage, acupuncture, chiropractor, uh, mind-body medicine. But the best medicine when you're in remission is going to be a good, good diet and exercise as part of your as part of your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So it's not mm-hmm. enough just to get the anti-cancer therapies, but it's about having a, a great quality of life for the rest of your life and being selfish with your health. But dieting and being active in life with this uh, regular exercise routine is very important.
0: Rob, is the pain scale still what it was 80 years ago with the smiley faces getting slowly angrier, or is there a different version of that these days?
2: Uh, That is one way of assessing pain um, in another person, Uh, the the pain basis scale. There's always also a common numerical rating scale between 0 and 10, 0 being no pain, 10 being severe or the worst pain of your life. And um, pain has been so undertreated and it's so um, vital nowadays that it's considered to be the fifth vital sign. In addition to the other vital signs we measure on a daily basis, which are temperature, pulse, blood pressure and respiratory rate, um, the life signs uh, determine life or death of that individual. Mm-hmm. So it's very vital to measure their current pain score, the pain scale. So, uh,
3: and one question I had, and this is just something ongoing and something I've dealt with personally, is the how highly addictive a lot of the medications that, the doctor gives, that doctors give people, whether it be you know, Percocet after surgery and you're taking it and and whether it be, you know, you're taking sleeping pills because they're pumping you full of steroids and you can't sleep at night and all you, you're so tired. My doctor called it wired, but tired where you're full of so many steroids, but the chemotherapy makes you're exhausted and all you want to do is sleep. So how do you balance? You know, and then some people take anxiety medications, depression medications, and a lot of this has a very addictive nature. This is an epidemic in our country. So how do you kind of balance, you know, prescribing people these medications and then helping them also not be dependent?
2: Well, I try to explain to uh, the patients um, that uh, the pain medications or medications for anxiety or sleep aids are... um, meant to be used for a short-term basis it could be many weeks a few months but the goal is to help you in your recovery period from your treatments from your surgery to get you uh, back into a a state of um, balance where you don't need pain medication or the sleep um, aids Uh, so the goal is to temporarily use them to get you to a state of um, health and happiness and, and a better quality of life because The best medicine for the human body is for you to live life. I tell patients to engage in life. If they're in a period of time where they're not getting anti-cancer therapies, that is their window to make the most of their health, to live life, not just to let it pass you by.
0: Well said. Let me turn it back over to Carolyn for a little while. I want to ask you a quick question. In the case of the Churchills, who were on the show at the top of the show, uh, they brought their four children to Arizona from Las Vegas, and they practically lived there. Actually, they actually lived there. They practically lived there for many, many months before moving back to uh, Las Vegas. The nutritional, you know, it's not just you feed people great food. You teach them how to eat, right? So how does that translate back into the once once they leave, once they're going back home? Do you follow up with them with recipes or practical ways? Because you if you're in a hotel and they're serving you good food, and I'm, I'm not calling you as a hotel, you're going to eat the good food because it's in front of your face but once you go home and the Snickers start calling you at the 7-Eleven when you're filling it with gas, what's your coaching mechanism to to these families that come through CTCA once they leave and try to return back to their normal?
1: Yeah, well, um, as, as Dr. Rahman mentioned, I mean, when, particularly when they're we're d- done with treatment in survivorship mode, I mean, healthy diet and activity is one of the most important things they can do to maintain their health. And so the the entire time patients are coming in for their treatment, uh, every time they come in, um, they're meeting with with their dietitian. They're assigned a dietitian that follows them um, in some cases for many years, even if they're just coming in once a year for a checkup um and we encourage fam- you know caregivers and family members to be a part of that consultation particularly children um you know establishing healthy habits early on is one of the best things um you know families can do for their children from a standpoint of prevention so we really encourage that the entire family be present for the consultation um but we're 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 helping them develop he- healthy habits moving towards um, a whole foods, more of a, a semi-plant-based diet. And then, as you said, they have the opportunity to actually taste those foods um, while they're with us in, in our in our cafes, our dining rooms, um, and see that, that these foods, you know, whole grains, greens and beans, can, can be very tasty, or we can even help them. Um, adapt some of their favorite recipes and show them how to, how to do it in healthy ways. So they have access to that while they're there. We do cooking classes to, you know, try and show them and their caregivers, their families, how, how to prepare these foods at home. Um, we have cooking. We, have, we actually have a cookbook um, that we have available for patients to take home with them in addition to, you know, recipes online. And then they have access to their registered dietitian from home, so they can pick up the phone. Um, we can uh, – many patients will email us. Uh, and, and again, it's on the patient's terms. So some patients will want to continue to talk with their with their dietitian um, frequently um, when they're at home in between treatments, and and that's where we just provide coaching to try and you know find out if there are barriers that are developing and and give them some tips, um, really behavior mod- modification tips to to deal with those.
0: Well, that that's wonderful. I, I mean, I can't imagine. I have three three year old twins, born a girl. They won't touch anything that isn't, like, bright orange, banana-colored, or, you know, made of sugar. We try to avoid that. So the idea of you know, coming home and having a garden, having them eat, you know, freshly grown stuff is so far into my ideology at this point. But I really is respect any parents that can coach their children into eating well at a younger age, especially when the, uh, the their friends at school's parents have uh, cabinets full of us potato chips, like I do. <laughs>
1: it's tough I mean kids children tend to model you know what they see, and you know so if you can if they can start to see you know the the family moving towards a healthier diet like sometimes as you said, getting them involved in actually um shopping for food or picking food if you have access right. to a garden and preparing food um makes it a little bit more interesting for them,
0: right. Dr. Raman, you're an osteopath, is that correct that is correct. Would you mind explaining uh to our listenership the differential between the osteopath and and the the philosophy behind that line of uh medical practice?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um uh, osteopathic uh, medicine is a study of uh medicine that's very similar to allopathic medicine, uh but we have a more emphasis on uh three body systems, uh the muscular system, the skeletal system, and the nervous system. And part of uh, our training involves a manual uh, manipulation of certain parts of the body to restore them um, to their original normal uh, anatomical alignment, which should thus restore the normal physiological component of that part of the body. So it's uh, another way of helping manage pain in a human being by manipulating certain parts of the body.
3: And uh, what made you choose uh, ctc i know that when you're a doctor or you're a physician you have choices you can pretty much go anywhere everywhere it's not like working in the auto industry and you have detroit everyone in the country deals with disease so well, what's
0: japan too but that's over true <laughs> but what
3: what drew you to this hospital what you know i'm sure you had your choice of places to go what was it about ctca that led you to work there
2: i would say that there um they integrative model of care Uh, as a pain specialist uh, i'm certified board certified in three areas of medicine uh, anesthesiology pain medicine and hospice and palliative medicine and all those specialties in themselves are wonderful but at ctca i can incorporate certain parts of them to provide a holistic approach to every patient i meet whether it's physical pain emotional pain social pain spiritual pain or all of the above I can tailor the plan of care according to the patient's history and physical. And I have the resources there and people like Carolyn uh, to help me help the patients because we provide patient and family-centered care. And it's not just the spouse. It's the children. It's the parents. It's the friends. So there's a lot of people that are involved, and the goal is to uh, meet their needs and give them hope and help empower them
0: Karen, we have a question from the chat room. Uh, is the CTC a cookbook available to the general public as well?
1: It is. Um, they can actually um, get it online uh, if they go to our, our website, can- cancercenter.com. Um, there should be a link to purchase it, um, or at um, uh, uh, cancernutritioncenters.com, which is um, uh, a site where, where we have um, some of our nutritional supplements available as well, um, there should be a, a, a landing page there to order the cookbook. It's called Wholesome Temptation.
0: Very cool, very cool. So do, do you attribute the, the, the model working so efficiently because you have a very – you see you see less patients per year than the average, like, giant hospital? Does that make it easier to sort of weed out what you're doing right and wrong and build a stronger case? for the practice over time.
1: I don't know do you, want, do you want to take that one Dr. Mom Raman as a physician or
2: Yeah, I I would say that um we specialize in advanced and complex cancer uh, care and um uh, the patient population that we have our goal is just to educate them on the current options of their care. Uh we hope that we can give them enough information to make choices that them uh, they and their uh, family will be happy with now i think uh, there are other cancer centers across the country that uh, deal with those kinds of patient populations but i think nowadays it's all about choice and i encourage the patients to uh, listen to their intuition and their heart and to go where they want to go and hopefully uh, they'll be happy with their decision and i'll support it
0: so the the model of i mean when i first was introduced to CTC many, many years ago. when I, My wife is a speech therapist. She works in pediatrics. So oh, I, I'm familiar with the, the, the term IEP, and, and uh, Individual Educational Plan, where if a child has special needs or is required to, you know, uh, is, is, needs uh, a boost in something, they were assigned a whole team of people to that child, whether mm-hmm. it's the teacher, the psychologist the uh physical therapist the occupational therapist the, you know the the the, the whole team
2: mm-hmm.
0: is the the model that you guys have is is that model where the patient gets a team of people the focus is not just on the medicine but it's about
2: the quality of life through that process correct absolutely and uh while you're getting treatments uh the way your body responds to that Um, Will be uh, known in time It may take weeks, maybe months Until we determine with the blood tests or imaging Or microscopic studies How your body responds to the anti-cancer therapies But until then You have to live a good quality of life You have to keep Possibly going to work, taking care of your family Continuing with your school studies So the goal is to continue Your life the way you've Always lived it, and your body and time will tell where we go.
3: Right, my question is for Carolyn. Um, I just want to know what's next for CTCA. You know, you guys are very innovative. You're very cutting edge with, you know, all the latest with nutrition and especially with pain management and massage therapy and acupuncture. What's some of the stuff we could look to in the future to come out of C- CTCA Some things you're working on?
1: Well, w- w- one of the things we're, uh, in general that we're working on is, is just being able to um, report our, our outcomes and our, our quality stories. So to be able to really publish what we're doing, you know, how it's benefiting patients, as Dr. Raman said, particularly from a quality of life standpoint, to be able to really publish, present, and share that. Um, in the integrative medicine um, area, you know, we're looking at things like acupuncture and how effective is that um, at, manage, you know, helping manage in, in addition to medications, but how to managing chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting. Um, we actually have a, a study that just kicked off um, last week looking at um, spiritual support and um, our, our um, pastoral care team uh, using um, self-forgiveness or working with individuals to, um, you know, forgive them, you know, basically forgive themselves for maybe things they may have done. Um, one one example that uh, our pa- our chaplains use, if you have somebody, you know, who smoked, who developed lung cancer, you know, how do you... Work through that and let it go, so that it. You know, Dr. Rahman said you can live your life and and um, you know feel good about um, each day moving forward and, and sort of move past that. Um, we're also looking at um, we're doing quite a bit of work with vitamin D, um, fish oil. You know, using fish oil as a nutritional supplement um, and how that affects nutri- nutritional status during treatment, but potentially even if if it if it actually um, helps work. Keep, work with chemotherapy to make it more effective. Um, so those are kind of. Uh, we also have a study where we're looking at a weight weight loss intervention in breast cancer survivors on aromatase inhibitors. Um, you know, and does does uh, being involved in a weight loss intervention with a dietitian help women be more compliant with aromatase inhibitors? But also does it does it help make that more effective from a standpoint of um, reducing risk of a recurrence?
0: See now you just disappointed me because Andy wanted to know what was next for you guys and I was hoping for hover cars.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry, I'm drifting. I have a, a, a one more question for you guys. Um and this ties into the relationship that C- CTCA has with cancer. You probably know that the cover story in Time magazine uh, this week or last week was all about this new way of thinking about curing cancer and what it means and and Obviously, the integrative approach to patient wellness through the process is a significant new concept because it's more than just the the lab coats that cure cancer. It's the well-being of the patient through the process. But this uh, de-identification of body parts and this centralization of genomic wellness and a a whole different philosophy of thinking about cancer research, again, it might be a little off-topic for your specialties, but do you have thoughts on, on where we're
2: headed in the future? This is a good thing, right? I, th- I think it's a good thing. I think uh, incorporating technology, um, uh, creating the care around the patient and their family is key. And uh, ultimately, um, happiness and a, a good functional quality of life is what's most important. So I welcome that news and I hope it can um, keep us moving forward and keep us focused on the task of curing cancer. Carolyn, final word?
1: Yeah, I, no, I, I agree. Um, I, I know uh, CTCA is looking at how you know how do we implement uh, personalize, personalized medicine and and make our approach even even more individualized and personalized from a standpoint of oncology treatments and integrative medicine.
0: Well, I can't thank you guys uh, enough for coming back on the show. We're certainly going to have you up again this fall, um, and uh, I can't wait to see you guys in Las Vegas. It's going to be an extraordinary weekend, the likes of which I guarantee you you've never experienced before.
1: <laughs> Looking forward to meeting Prepare you. Prepare
0: yourself. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. You guys do great work. Thank, Thank you so, so much. much, Rod Raman and Karen Lammersfeld from Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Everybody.
3: Good night.
0: Good night, guys. It's it's really an amazing, and honestly, you know, my wife is a speech therapist. You know mm-hmm. this, and, and when she explained to me about this IEP idea, if a child has special needs or whatnot. Um, they get assigned this whole team of people. Yeah, and that's what a great idea.
3: Yeah, and definitely.
0: So this idea, and I, I know life has changed, the universe has changed, things mm-hmm. are not the way they were when I was treated in the Bronze Age of 1995, mm-hmm. ninety six But this idea of of like what what could it have been for me? I was a concert pianist. Mm-hmm. I was twenty one years old. I could have probably I lost a ton of weight. I lost one hundred and ten pounds. Mm-hmm. From the decadron weaning off, and then the being hyperthyroid and and just throwing up every day. There were no antiemetics. What would life have been like if I had an IEP? Yeah, you know, would I would I have been able to play piano again if I had a PT physical therapist at some point
3: mm-hmm. in
0: that time frame? Would Would it have worked out in some way? You know, I don't dote on these things, but just conceptually, what a concept!
3: It's so funny because while I was in treatment, there were like different studies came out coming out about the treatment and the ordered treatment for triple negative breast cancer that I always questioned everything my doctors did. And it's always the, and the big part of it is it keeps getting better and more targeted and more specific every single day that every single one of us are alive. Yes. So the saying is always that, and this always gives me some sort of comfort because as a cancer survivor, you never know if it could come back or if you could get a secondary cancer, if it's happened to a friend, a family member, whatever. Find out you have advanced cancer, but they always say if you can live one more day, you are one day closer to a more targeted treatment or a new treatment or a new drug to try to keep you alive a little bit longer. So it's just right. hang on for one more day. And I know that's not possible. I know for some people. Barry
0: Wilson, Phyllis of you.
3: I know. I know. I feel like I just signed the last <laughs> scene How long of *Bridesmaid*. But um, yeah, it's just you, if you can keep yourself going for one more day, if the doctor says keep you going keep you healthy where you can still receive treatment eventually you know unfortunately for a lot of people they do hit the end where they're too sick or their body's too beat down to keep receiving treatment but you know I just I just you know you clutch onto any good news you could possibly find that's one thing I always try to buy myself you know God forbid whatever happens stay alive one more day and it keeps getting better it will only get better well
0: i, I remember saying to myself back then you know when i was having to, to decide whether i should have chemotherapy and I, mm-hmm. I did not have chemotherapy because it didn't give me the odds that right. made sense at the time it was like only five percent of a difference I, I remember trying to rationalize because we all rationalized through this process right in the, in the late 90s that god forbid this comes back again i'm hopeful that if and when it does enough progress will have happened to make it not suck nearly as much from a medical perspective. Right. And it took 11 years or 12 years, but there's now a pill for what I had surgery for.
2: Mm-hmm. A pill.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not quite Star Trek, beep, boop, you're cured. Yeah. But there's a pill, an oral chemotherapy that did not exist back then for my what I had. So wow.
3: Well. Yeah. So, yeah. What's funny, and yeah, and even that Time Magazine thing about all the different, you know, the, one of the diseases they possibly find a cure for is type breast cancer. I have the genetic triple negative, BRCA1. It's one of the diseases they think they could, uh, you know, potentially find a cure for. So it's very, everything that comes out like that gives me hope.
0: Well, on that note.
3: On that note. Let's talk about getting drunk in Vegas.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> well, 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 uh, well, well, Carolyn is going to have a... Uh, an intervention with us. I know. In Las Vegas. She's going to bring chaser pills with her uh, yeah. <laughs> for the next morning. Yeah,
3: I just I kid. That's I kid. okay. I kid about the game drunk in Vegas. I don't get drunk anymore. But you
0: bought your slutty dress, and you're going to be, look great.
3: Exactly. I bought some, you know, dresses to, to show off the girls, and we'll have fun. You don't need alcohol to have fun, Matthew. You don't have to take your close off (laughs)
0: to have a good I'm so old
3: anyway I have no idea I'm going to stop
0: singing now because we just lost our remaining three listeners yeah
3: and I have no idea what you're just talking about
0: Uh, it was the Samantha Fox song from the 80s no? no alright I'll play for you offline all All
3: alright folks that's our show here's our closing
0: sequence
2: prepare to activate Uh,
0: I hear there's rumors on the uh,
3: internets
2: you
0: ever seen a grown man naked
2: and so to all of you a fond
0: farewell Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, my you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that's tonight's show, our 261st broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at stupid cancer. Thank our guests, Jenna Churchill, Carolyn Lammersfeld. And Rod Raman from Cancer Treatment Centers of America.
3: And on next week's show, we have the theme of caregiving in young adult land. The impact of caregiving has untold consequences on physical, emotional, and financial health. This is amplified for young adults. And we join three cancer caregivers, Lou Greenslide, Chad Rockman, and Tanya Barman, who will all share their stories. And also the Pure Romance CEO, Patty Bryson, in the advocacy spotlight. And by the way, Lou Green's like, my dad. I didn't want to say it. He's I... going to
0: be here live in the studio, my dad. All right, folks, if you have missed any of our past shows, download them all for free on iTunes at iTunes.stupidcancer.org or check out the archives anytime at stupidcancershow.org. Remember, folks, it ain't cancer, it ain't cancer, it ain't stupid, it ain't stupid. I messed that up and I messed that up every show. It's okay. okay. I had brain cancer. Live from the chemo deck. <laughs> On behalf of Kenny Kane, Annie Goodman, myself, and the whole team here at the Stupid Cancer Show, have a great week, and we'll see you back here live next Monday at 8 p.m. Good night, folks. Good night.